This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons, and of course Michael, sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome to episode 11 of the Pages Dynasty podcast. We're going to start this before Michael and I come to fisticuffs from across the If country. you guys are wondering, we're discussing the intro music as if nothing else can be talked about right yeah. now. So, well, I think because we haven't addressed this yet and because we've actually just figured it out on our end, but it'll have been in every episode since. So we should probably take the time to thank Mama Brown for her disclaimer at the beginning of all of these. Mama Brown! Woo! Yeah. Um, and... In full transparency, she was not the first choice. We did try to uh, get a cameo uh, from their website uh, of Jonas Gray to do it for us, but either he doesn't know how to use the, the cameo website or he just decided not to, didn't tell us. So we tried a couple times, didn't get him. But Mama Brown, it felt, it felt right to have her apologize for us before we even started listening to this. So thanks to her. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> So as you can tell, we have both Mike and Steve here. No Greg this week because he is heading to Miami for the Super Bowl. That was some poor, poor planning, I suppose, on his part, um, buying it. Although I understand why you would, would buy tickets to wherever the Super Bowl is every year. Just because the last time the Patriots weren't in it was four years ago. Is that right? I think so. I don't know. I'm terrible with time. So we're going to go with that. But to be clear, even if they weren't in the Super Bowl, he did not have tickets to the game. No, no, he's just so going he, to Miami. Just yeah, he's not even going to go to the game. Even the Patriots are in it. He couldn't afford that anyways. Uh, well, he's just going to you, out. he probably could afford it because if the Pages are in it, the tickets would have been cheap again. They were cheap last time, weren't they? That's why all the Patriots fans were there. What's cheap these days? $5,000? No, that's how much they are this year, I think. Maybe they're oh. nine thousand. Oh, they were pretty expensive this year because the Chiefs haven't been in like a hundred. But we're not here to talk about the Chiefs or the 49ers. We're here to talk about the Saints because the Saints are coming to town, two thousand one, week eleven, to the the wet and windy Foxborough, Massachusetts. Apparently, the everybody was pissed because during the day it was like sixty degrees and sunny, uh, but this was a late game and the rain and wind started late. So it was fun. Uh, about the Saints. Uh, the Saints team, they seemed like they were pretty good. They were good the year before. But uh, this year they would actually finish 7-9, and nine, third in the NFC West, behind obviously the Rams. And I believe the 49ers were a bit of a powerhouse this year too. Head coach was Jim Hazlitt. You boys remember Jim Hazlitt? Oh, yeah. I Wait, who else was so. in the NFC West back then? Because this is before they realigned the divisions, right? When the Colts are still in ours. It is. Um, By the end of this podcast, people will definitely remember how these divisions <laughs> were broken up. Yeah, because we asked this question literally every week. <laughs> NFC West was the Rams, 49ers, Saints, Falcons, and Panthers. I believe we touched on this last week. That's kind of a powerhouse. The Rams. Like now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rams were in Super Bowl last year. Niners in Super Bowl this year. Saints have been the Saints NFC Championship game. 11, at least 11 wins last couple of years. I think the Falcons were in the Super Bowl recently too, weren't they? No, like, uh, they were, weren't they like up big in the Super Bowl? Something like that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably find out. <laughs> 20 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Keep listening. Yeah, this race, it'll be 40 years. Are you kidding? Uh, so... Jim Hazlitt, uh, pretty good defensive coordinator. He was a de defensive coordinator for the Steelers before this for a few years when they were pretty good. Um, and that's, I think, how he got his head coaching gig. So he was head coach from 2000, 2008. Most of those years were with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, didn't do so great. He only had two winning seasons. One was that first 2000 season and then 2002 uh, the rest of the season, he was either 8-8 eight and eight or worse. Uh, he finished with a 47-61 and 61 record overall, which is not great. 
Uh, but the fact that he lasted for what was it eight years? Yeah, even with such a bad record is you know a testament to being able to stick around. Um, Jeff Fisher, or Jeff Fisher was Jeff Fisher. Yeah, pretty much. What, what about uh, Garrett, Jason Garrett? I mean, uh, this guy yeah, did worse than that guy, and he held his job. So that's true. Um, Props to him. We can. Uh, I think there's other connections to Jason Garrett too, which we'll get to in a second, but. Against Haslett coach teams, the Patriots were undefeated. They went 3-0. and uh, They beat the Saints twice in 01 and 05. And then again uh, when Haslett was coaching the Rams in 2008. So we liked seeing his teams. Uh, none of the games were particularly close, really. The average score was uh, 27-17 pats. One of the games. Yeah, most of the games were about 24-17. to 16-23. to 24 to 17. So they were I mean, very um, calling them out for not wanting to play in this game. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely a dome team for sure. Because all yeah. three of those games were at were in Fox. Dome team. Dome team. Oh, dome team. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't been in New England for a, lot, for a while, have you? <laughs> My accent, it's tripping you up. It is. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so to come back to the uh, the clapper. That I said before, uh, the other notable coach in this offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy, who is currently the new Dallas Cowboys head coach after turning this offensive coordinator job into the Green Bay head coaching job in 2006 and coach forever up until last season, right? He, he was through 2018 season, didn't coach he was, in 2019, yeah. Yeah, this is and now he's just gotten hired. What's your take on his relationship with old Aaron Rodgers? I don't really have a take. I've kind of ignored that, to be honest. Really? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers seems kind of like a, a dingleberry. So that's what I mean. I, that's a funny way to put it, but uh, he, um, I don't know. I, I think I like respected him early on. I think he's become a little bit of a curmudgeon. Um, Aaron Rodgers, that is. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And he's, he's kind of he, like I think throwing the, everybody under the bus. Yeah, the early success seems to have maybe gone to his head a bit. Right. It's also kind of interesting to see that, I mean, he was hands down across the board known as, you know, the most athletic quarterback, and now that's definitely not the case. So it's interesting to see the passing of the torch, and he never really won another championship. So it is what it is. Yeah, I think it kind of puts what Brady has accomplished into perspective when you see somebody with that sort of ability and that sort of talent and all the success that he's had, and he's only won one Super Bowl, right? Never, and for a while, one, right? I think that's the only way he's been to as well, right? So to only ever get to one Super Bowl puts the fact for that Brady's the, gotten to nine and won six of them. It's it's a whole different level. But remember when it was Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Brady? Yeah, for years. goat status. Yeah, yep. And now it's. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees is now entered the conversation. Wait, Drew Brees is in for goat? Uh, yeah. This year, you heard it when he uh, what? when he passed uh, Peyton Manning's touchdown record. Well, regular season touchdown passing record. People. I mean, if you're talking just regular season, then yeah, maybe it is between Manning and Brees. The thing is, Brady's up there in all those numbers. But he has the whole playoff oh, on yeah. top of it, you know, all those playoff records where he's uh, head and shoulders above everybody in every statistic. I know. It's kind of a silly argument. It's outrageous, yeah. You could actually put together um, a full season of Tom Brady playoff games, and I think he still finishes 12-4 and four against <laughs> playoff teams and Super Bowl teams. Teams like the Legion of Boom and the greatest show on turf and all these teams. It's And what can we thank for all this? The Flake Gate. (laughs) I'm serious. I thought it was Belichick selling his soul. No, I mean, dude, there's a lot of stuff. There's Brady selling his soul after, like, I think, 07 or maybe 06. There's obviously we've talked about when Belichick sold his soul. Uh, We've talked about Belichick's cheating ways and his 
opportunistic getting caught <laughs> well, to use you, his motivation. you've talked about that. Well, yeah. let's call a spade a spade, my friend. <laughs> um, so with Deflategate, that happened, and they went on a run, needless to say. So without Deflategate, we probably don't have the second part of the dynasty, and it probably gets capped. So mm. Belichick, again, freaking you genius. You think so, though? Yeah, but Absolutely. Mike, you According think the Patriots weren't going to win the game against Seattle, the Super Bowl against Seattle? Well, yeah, but but the Flategate sort of like created that that aura that like oh screw this everybody's against us because if you remember after the Flategate they still had two weeks or whatever of like answering BS questions and yeah. then the um, the year after you know what was that the suspension year was it the year after that uh, whenever Brady was uh, suspended I mean. Mm-hmm. That brought up the whole Garoppolo thing, so everyone was looking at him. Brady had a chip on his shoulder. He hadn't probably had that chip on his shoulder for a long time, and he just rattled off Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. So I think Deflategate played a hand in this run. Yes, I did. Yeah, but Mike, you also thought 9-11 played a hand in this. <laughs> Look, I didn't say – all I said was the dynasty happened because of Mo Lewis's hit, Okay. That's not what he said. Indirectly. We're adding that to the list. Okay. Indirectly. Look, there's a lot of stuff we've talked about. The people don't start on this episode. Listen to all this. You need to see the uh, (laughs) the 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 filth that these guys are spewing. And I'm right. (laughs) Solid spin zone, considering it's odd. Right? Good lord. Some takes. Oh man, I, they're just real takes, my friend. See, I like I like doing this because all these hot takes get us through this cold New England winter. It just it just keeps me warm. I, I wouldn't it. know. I wouldn't know. It's oh, really yeah, they, nice out here. Do you still have the the fires to keep you warm? Or are those done? Um, now it's just sunny, man. It's just oh. good. Yeah, it's a tough life you lead. There's a, a couple of earthquakes here and there, but other than that, <laughs> all right. Well, that's that must be nice. It was nice today because it got um, into the 30s, got to 36 this afternoon. Like sweatshirts on there outside and fucking Sounds lunatics. Sounds lovely. Fucking lunatics. All right. Uh, the Saints, speaking of lunatics, how about some of these uh, Saints players? Quarterback Aaron Brooks, remember him? I do because I actually had his jersey, if you recall. You had an Aaron Brooks jersey? I went through a phase, yes. That's um, messed up, man. That's Mike not Patriots. I, Mike and I talked about this. Uh, it may have just been the two of us, I think, Mike. Mm. When we go shopping at that place in Lawrence. Oh, hell yeah. So, so old, Steve, do you remember that place? No. No, Greg used to love it, too. It, they had uh, like one of those like filings basement, like TJ Maxx sort of place. They just had a bunch of random stuff, but they always had one rack of oh yeah, random like that. crap jerseys. So they had one with... Uh, like names sewn on upside down and like stupid things like that. I think it was Peerless Price was the one that I had. Oh yeah, receiver. Yeah, I, mine was Dave Meggett off center twenty two. <laughs> right, but one of them I had Aaron Brooks, and then I also my my crown jewel was Maurice Claret Broncos jersey. Oh, yeah, those were cheap. Uh, there was also a Tim Couch one I think. Oh, um, oh, who's the the big defensive lineman for Green Bay with the great name? Kabaha Biamila, that guy. I don't remember oh, his first name. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Had one of those. So I, I would give those away in college for uh, like Christmas presents and stuff to all my roommates and things. Worn? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, boy. Yeah, they weren't new. They were used. Oh, I used well, I used to wear them out to like house parties and stuff and get a bunch I, of I've seen right? what you do with them. So get that's why I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. oh, I'd wear nothing. No surprise that Aaron Brooks is on the reject pile, though. He fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, Dude, he, he he is fast as hell, man. He yeah, he was not as bad as I remember him being. Oh, he was worse, and I thought he really? was bad. I thought he, I mean, are you basing he, it on this game, man? Because this yeah, game, like, they were bringing the heat. So. They were, and he couldn't handle it. Like he had to get out of the kitchen. But I mean, he put up decent numbers. He had thirty eight hundred yards, twenty six touchdowns, and twenty two interceptions. Didn't he have like three hundred and fifty yards in this game passing? Which was weird because I don't think I saw him complete a pass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he <laughs> did, but there were the only passes he completed were sixty yards downfield. Yeah, there's a couple of nice ones. Short. Yeah, um, but he was also second on the team in rushing yards with three hundred fifty-eight. He was sacked fifty times. That is five zero, fifty 
times. But see, is is that I, I, that's usually in the upper region, right? But like fifty it's high. You hear that? I mean, what about um car? Remember the Texans? Didn't he set records oh, for like being yeah. sacked? I have no idea how many times. Although for a running quarter, quarterback, that's that is small. a lot of sacks. You think yeah. he'd escape? Well, you think that um, because of the sack in this game was where he was scrambling and then he ran and kind of like tripped over himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's the leader of time sacks in a season. Uh, was it you, Steve, that said David Carr? Yeah, I was me. Yeah. Oh, Mike. Sorry. Um, yes, it was him in 2002. Care to take a guess how many times he was sacked that year? I remember it was like in the 70s. I think mm, 76. Oh, damn. Second place though, uh, Randall Cunningham in 86 was 72. Wow. Surprising. Yeah. yeah th- a lot of these, it seems to be either um, white quarterbacks on bad teams, like mo- uh, oh immobile quarterbacks Whoa. on bad teams, Whoa. or mobile quarterbacks who, like Deshaun Washington's on here, 2018 with 62. Randall Cunningham's on here a lot. <laughs> Poor guy. And, yeah, He's in the Hall two, of Fame. Three. Drew Bledsoe's on here, 1999, 55 sacks. Tied for 18th with Blake Bortles in 2014. Bortles. Oh, Drew Bledsoe's, on here. Bledsoe's on here again, uh, 2002 at Buffalo with 54 sacks. Dude, doesn't that guy sound like a Pokemon? I mean, I don't know anything about <laughs> yes. Pokemon. Every time I hear Bortles, I just uh, picture his face. <laughs> yeah, Bortle, Bortle. <laughs> anyway. no, I, think, I think you're right, yeah. So, yeah, Aaron Brooks, is he's uh, he's on this list, but he's got some good... Good company. Aaron Rodgers, uh, 51 sacks. He also had 50 sacks in a year. So it does seem to be kind of mostly the more mobile guys and David Carr. Huh. Who is first and also third on this list. Oh, guy. (laughs) That's pretty rough. My boy Tim Couch is on here. 56 sacks. It's a lot of car crashes. That's a lot of car crashes. But now Carr is bringing it in the announcing game, I think. Is he? I don't know. He's a reporter right. of some sort. I don't know. All right, all right. Man, yeah. I don't I haven't come across this. Oh, there he is. He's like the most Tom Brady's ever been sacked was forty one times. Guess what season that was? This one? This one. That's oh really? Yeah. Well yeah, dude. He doesn't have his like supernatural awareness. He got blown up blindsided in this game. Yeah. Yeah, he had a couple of fumbles that uh his offensive lineman recovered. One of those oh, like yeah. he got blindsided. Snapped. It was real bad. So yeah, like, that, the one where your, your neck snaps back, yeah. It's a wonder why Belichick allowed him to keep his job. But again, Bledsoe didn't have the greatest uh, history as well. And, I mean, he got a pretty good view of him the year before when they went 5-11. Yeah. So, Right. Well, and I mean, from what it sounded like is uh, Belichick chose Tom Brady based on the decisions he was making more so than really the numbers, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I also read, and this is you know perspective that you get after the fact. I don't remember any of this stuff, like you know when I was watching these games live. But um, it came down to a lot of like uh, practice snaps between Bledsoe and, and Brady. And I guess in the previous game against the Rams, um, Belichick basically blamed Brady's performance, so to speak, on um, on the limited practice opportunities because Bledsoe kind of took some away. Uh, I don't know if that's like true or not, but that, that's sort of what he went with. And if you look at it from that perspective, and you have a quarterback who's been, you know, he was a starter for two games, gets hurt, and then you have a guy who's a starter for eight games, yeah. you sort of like gear the, uh, the whole team philosophy towards what's happening with that quarterback, the terminology, et cetera, play calling. So it does yeah. actually make sense that, you know, you're this far into the season, regardless of even if he thought Brady was the better quarterback – it probably is a setback to kind of like restart it again with some guy right. that's been on the bench for two months. Right. Especially with Brady like still winning games during that stretch too. Like he was five and three going into this game. Uh, I yeah. had heard somewhere, some Belichick clip talking about this specific saints game where he said Brady played like crap the game before. And this game kind of showed him that he needed to stick with Brady and it kind of proved him right. I mean, he was going to ride him for the rest of the year. Was this specific Saints game? 
Yeah, and that that's actually what all the um the Boston Globe articles were kind of before and after is exactly that kind of dichotomy where the the funny thing though is is that like he made not the hard decision but he made the decision that brady was going to be the starter barring yep. like injury before this game so i wonder if he didn't play like lights out which he he did um i wonder if it would have been a different outcome i mean yeah. he probably still would have stuck stuck with him the rest of the year but yeah i mean it, who really knows other than belichick but and he's never going to fucking tell you he'll tell but, yeah, me yeah the uh, sure he will <laughs> once we have him on this podcast in 30 years. but yeah i mean there was there was a bunch of stuff in the papers about how belichick just made the decision and took the full responsibility for it too even back then in typical belichick fashion talking about how it's his decision and it is what it is and nobody else uh, has anything to do with it the the line was, there's no sense in being wishy-washy. That's not what I'm paid to do. It's fucking Bill Belichick. Well, yeah. It's true, but uh, then there were also players quoted saying that you know exactly where you stand with him, which I thought was interesting, except for the fact when he chooses not to, to be upfront, he is wishy-washy because he told Bledsoe that he would be allowed to practice and earn those reps and earn the, uh, the starting status again. That was never the case. And as recently as um, uh, I think Mike Pennell uh, this past year was coming out and saying that Belichick was never up front with them and it was just, you know, sort of a guessing game until he was cut and whatever. So it is funny that that's uh, Belichick's stance, but he's not wishy-washy unless he has to be. <laughs> well... I mean, get that, I, get that out of here, Mike. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that because they also had um, wasn't it uh, Michael Bennett on, and he said exactly opposite. He's like, "No, I knew exactly where I stood. It was completely transparent." And well, I didn't say every time, did I? I said when he wants it to be the case. I mean, maybe He's strategic, but, or is it just that it's up to the player to decide how to react to Belichick's? demeanor maybe i don't know the right word there would be i don't know i mean i'm just repeating what bledsoe said he said that he had a conversation with belichick belichick said that he would give him the opportunity to win his job back and then the next week he named brady starter so i'm just looking at it from bledsoe's perspective now maybe he was a little butthurt about it maybe uh you know his feelings were hurt i mean I, i players said that he was very angry that's all understandable um but I'm just saying what he said, man. This is what happens when we read these articles. That's true, yeah. I bring you the news. But it is kind of funny to look back at some of these articles that these people were writing at the time, knowing what we know now. Fucking Ron Boy, Bob Duffy, getting super pissy about it before the game, and then mm-hmm. afterwards having to kind of like eat their own words. Fucking Dan Shaughnessy being a miserable prick about it. No. Oh, yeah. Shocking, right? Um, I will say, I, I was reading another article that you put up, and uh, it said, and again, this is in, in line with wishy-washy or not, I don't know, um, or being up front with players or maybe them having to interpret what he says, but it said that the Patriots have had more grievances filed against them than any other team in the NFL in the past few years. And that was like before all of this recent stuff. So this is going back to 2001, baby. <laughs> I mean that, yeah. Belichick was installing his system, and, and people weren't happy about it. Although I do wonder how many of those grievances were just from Terry Glenn. I, think, I mean, probably a few. He popped up a couple of times. So yeah, I mean, there was one article after the game about basically Glenn's done. Terry Glenn's done in New England uh, because yeah, he said everything him. with a smirk too, right? Yeah, one of so those, oh my ankle hurts or whatever. Yeah, I have the quote right here. So it's the wide receiver said he came back to the team ready to play against San Diego, quote, but the other side didn't give an inch and his hamstring started hurting. So do you want to play again this season? The guy interviewing him asked. And his response was, I did want to play for them again. He said, that's D-I-D, but I don't think I'll be here next season. I don't care if I'm still on this football team. Asked directly if he, was, if he wasn't playing because he wasn't getting his money, Glenn said, Maybe I'm not getting paid and my hamstring hurts. Smile. So, yeah. 
Yeah, ship so definitely. I mean, we've, we've touched on that a little bit, but um, it is funny to as we go through this season to kind of see how that whole scenario played out. Yeah, this feels like officially because uh, we were talking about it earlier that you know right. we remember the whole saga, but we don't remember how it ended. And this feels to me like this week specifically, this is the beginning of the end. Because I feel like we haven't actually heard about him in the past couple of weeks. No. The past few episodes, like there just hasn't been any news on him. Everything was pretty quiet, and I thought, oh, maybe that's how it goes. I was just like, do you think he's anymore? We asked that question too. We don't know. What was the question? If if Terry Glenn got a Super Bowl, I gotta think that he probably did. I don't know if Kraft. I mean, he was on the team. Although, quick Google search now. If he just shut up, he would have got him like a hundred thousand dollar ring at the end of the year. Here we go. I think he might have. Don't think he did. What? From uh, episode, uh, this I found an article from February eighth, two thousand two, entitled "Glenn says he would take Super Bowl ring if offered." <laughs> Controversial wide receiver Terry Glenn said he probably does not deserve a ring from Super Bowl champion New England Pages, but would accept one if offered. That's ridiculous. Wait, Do was, I deserve a ring compared were... to the guys who are out there and won the Super Bowl? Of course not, Glenn told the Boston Globe. I was happy for those guys. They're my friends, but I felt like I was still part of of that organization. I did play some of this year. Yeah, but was that before the rings were handed out or after? Was it February two thousand? February two thousand. February eighth, two thousand two. Yeah, they haven't handed them out then. No, I don't think so. Super Bowl would have been like February two thousand and two, right? Yeah, it would have been January. Well, yeah, but the rings are usually like the ceremony is like way down the line, isn't it? Yeah, in the summer. It is. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if uh, wonder if he did or not. Now that they've won the Super Bowl, why bother with me? He said, "Just reach a settlement. I don't even care about the money. Let's let's just break it off." Poor guy. What's up with the wide receivers? Uh, I think there's a different breed. They've always been kind of that me first diva mentality. That's always been the stereotype, right? The whole Keyshawn Johnson writing a book called "Throw Me the Damn Ball," right? Terrell you Owens doing working out in his driveway during the offseason. I mean, we, we follow the Antonio Brown thing up until now, but I guess yep. now looking a little bit worse than I mean we, we sort of alluded to the fact that it could go either way, but uh yeah. Mr. Antonio Brown has uh gotten into some trouble. Yeah, it's not looking great. So again, for those that are listening, you probably know the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we don't. Don't spoil it for us. Speaking of troubled players, uh, the star of this offense of the Saints team was Ricky Williams. Love Lee it. Ricky Williams. Yeah. Definitely a, a fun dude. Uh, I did love how the commentators um, commented on his small hands <laughs> yeah. and how that uh, contributed to him not being able to catch the ball for how many fumbles he had. Poor guy. Of all the things, he has tiny hands. But after the game, the Pages actually did a good job of stopping him, which I don't know if it was a surprise to me or what, but I just, I feel like I had this reaction every time I saw him get the ball of like the clenching that we talked about every time I'd see Drew Bledsoe drop back on third down, uh, where you just, I feel like he kind of tore the Pages to bits, but I don't know if that was when he was with the Dolphins. Do either of you mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. I just I had this like bad yeah, feeling every time I got the ball. Like, oh shit! Here once, he goes. Right? Huh? What'd you say, Steve? It's probably when he was with the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. It's probably when he was with the Dolphins. Was he the part of that Dolphins team that ran the Wildcat? That's what I couldn't remember. That was, no, with that was Ronnie, Ronnie Brown. Brown. Yeah. Okay. Our cousin. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably not. Um. Yeah, I mean Ricky Williams though had an interesting career, so that that guy was fun to keep tabs on. It was, it was. Uh, other than that, on offense, there was Joe Horn who went to the Pro Bowl. He had a decent year, didn't do much. That's a that's a Mr. Cell Phone, right? Oh, that's right, that was um, him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where that's he only point. had one cell phone stashed in the goalpost, so if he scored in the opposite end, that wouldn't have yeah, worked. It wouldn't have happened, <laughs> which is great. Um, that's got to be the best TD celebration of all time, right? Uh, I'm partial to Randy Moss pretending to to moon the crowd, personally. 
Yeah, which I don't know why. Was it Joe Buck that was like, that is I can't believe he did that. Sure yeah. was, yeah. Come on. Don't get me started on Joe Buck, Michael. All right, really? we won't get on that tangent. <laughs> they but. made rules after after Joe Horn pulled that cell phone out, right? They're like, no props. That's like, I think, I think so. it was yeah. between that. That was the season, I think, because it was him and um, Chad Ochocinco. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was pulling, he pulled a sign out of the snow that said, "NFL, please don't find me." So they find him for it. Right. Yeah. Who was um, the one my favorite? Yeah, uh, T.O. Nealon on the Cowboys star. Dude. Yeah, yeah, or the like yeah. him just like posing there and gets tackled. That was pretty yeah. amazing. All right. That that's my new number one. <laughs> that was that was great. He had the uh, proposing to the cheerleader. He had the popcorn. Uh, he was oh, pretty that's good, right? Yeah, he was. He was. He was on his game too. It was some, not as good anymore. It's a shame. Or, I don't know. I mean, some coordinated I mean, ones are okay, but I don't know. Oh, I think uh, even T.O. I think T.O. still on his game, man. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, sure he's still got some good ones. But to be he's fair, that about that guy not making the Cowboys solid. T.O. just like feasting on his tears. <laughs> yeah. See, to be fair, that season, um, the celebrations were getting a little weak. Like, I think Ocho Cinco had like the the rowboat thing where he's paddling, like, oh, yeah. like resuscitate like a football. Like, things weren't making sense after a while. <laughs> I mean, you run out of ideas, but you got to like keep doing something, right? You can't just score and Barry Sanders and just give the ball back like you've been there before. But I feel that Joe Horn started all this with the cell phone. You know, that's got to be like first up there. It's got to be. And in recent news, he also got caught in his scam. Did you guys hear about that? The healthcare scam? Oh, Uh, he was part of that? He was part of that. Yeah, I feel like we touched on that recently. Those couple other players as well wasn't it i don't know clinton portis was in there i think yes but, uh, yes yes that's who it was and rache caldwell that's what it was <laughs> well but, that is a collection of, of names yeah you holy know. shit it's just it's the news yeah sure it's uh let's see who else was on this team did you know recognize any other names sammy knight was on this team and apparently he was the playmaker i remember him I don't really remember him, but as a strong safety, he led the team in both interceptions, fumble returns, uh, fumble recoveries, and tackles from the so- strong safety position. That would never happen anymore. Although, if you're leading your team in tackles from the safety position, that's usually not a good sign. Right. Which is weird because Hazlitt was supposed to be like the defensive coordinator guy, so you'd think his defense would be the strong point of his team, but it wasn't. I had no idea who their quote-unquote lockdown corner was. Yeah, they kept talking about him through the whole game, but who was it? Uh, I don't remember his uh, name. Yeah, I don't remember his name either because they they talked about him early. Be like, oh, they they picked him up from somewhere, and he was supposed to be this really good um, defensive back. He was he wasn't that great before. I don't know, he's going through injuries or something. But this year, he really stepped it up. He's he's become a shutdown cor- corner. Um, let's see, was it Fred Thomas? And my beard is some super nerd. So let's see. Sammy Knight and Jay Bellamy were the safeties. Kevin Mathis and Fred Thomas were the. Yeah, it's Fred Thomas. I think it's Fred Thomas. And they're like, and he's going to cover Troy Brown in this game. And Troy Brown is going to have a tough time with him. And he didn't. Or did he? Uh, No, he had seven catches. Hey, hey, what's going on? 91 yards and a touchdown. Or we could just ruin the whole game for everybody. Well, I mean, we're this far in. We haven't actually talked about the great game. Troy Brown game. Yeah, this was this was, was. a quality Troy Brown game. I will say Leroy uh, Glover on the Saints, by the way. I remember him, and he was kind of a beast. I remember him just for his name. It was Leroy <laughs> with the apostrophe and Glover, which sounds like a glove. And then that was a very visual. I remember Leroy. it. 100% Willie Rofe. Willie Rofe, yeah. I remember that oh, name too, but sick name for a big yeah. fat offensive lineman guy. I mean like meat rof. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised there were there wasn't those jokes in there actually. They they had one pun about Rofe, but I don't remember what it was and it wasn't very good. So did you touch on Boo Williams then? Because you wrote it down. I wrote down Boo Williams, but the, the note that I had on here, if we're gonna pull the the kimono aside, is a great name, mediocre tight end. Did you know who he was before I wrote his name down? Uh, well, no, there didn't. was that time that I didn't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
All right, get the game. How did? What did you think of the game? I thought it was a uh, strong start, for sure, for the Patriots. I feel like the Patriots have had strong starts this season, kind of generally, and then they fade at the end, which is very unpatriot-like these days. Well, funny you mentioned that because uh, the, they were mentioning that the uh, Patriots scored first nine out of eleven times um, yeah. so far that season. Pretty impressive. It is. I don't know. I thought they kind of put it away in the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter drive for that touchdown, but they just ran. Whoa, it down. whoa, whoa, whoa! That's whoa. true. <laughs> Jeez. We're talking about, about the journey, guys. <laughs> Bro, we're like 45 minutes into this podcast. The no, journey's just on its way. Settle down. We got to talk about the first drive, baby. All right, talk about that first drive. Uh, you can do it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Like four or five plays of it? It wasn't very long because it... Uh, yeah, let's see. One, two, three, four, I mean, it ended five, with the 41-yard screen pass to Antoine Smith. Let's just yeah. say that. That play call was tremendous. Oh, yeah, Brady, great timing. Brady call him out after yeah. it. Call him out it's, one of, it's one of those plays that I feel like you don't see enough. Uh, that kind of everybody rolls out to one side, and then it's the kind of the throwback screen to the other side, to the, the empty side of the field. And on this play, it was Antoine Smith and two offensive linemen on one half of the field. It was just them, and there was nobody else out there. I think the the two the two blockers got what 20 30 yards down the field before they hit anybody. Yeah. And it was like both safeties were the only ones that like had to come all the way back across. The only ones that had any sort of angle on the play and they both got blown up by by the offensive I mean, linemen who were down the field. And didn't Brady like throw a block on that play as well? Was that no. the play? No, he was on well, the opposite side of the field, but he did throw a block sometime. He did. Um it was when they tried to run a reverse. Oh, that's right. And they had him out there as a lead blocker, but it got blown up in the backfield. So Antoine Smith just ate the ball and, and didn't catch it. That's right. That's right. I thought that, which I thought was smart. <laughs> uh, I would have liked to see him toss it. I thought, yeah, he was hemmed in, but I thought uh, Patton had. Yeah, then you know they would have fucked that up, though. It's a prime fuck it up spot. I don't know. Not in this game. And in All the right, same well, defense on that first touchdown, like how many balls did Antoine Smith catch? He's like Sonny yeah, he he wasn't a big pass catcher, just in general. I agree. Like if it had been Kevin Falk and they got burned on that, you're like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Of course, it's going to be a screen to Kevin Falk. Yeah, yeah, but you, you don't expect uh-uh. the Spanish Inquisition or the screen pass to Antoine Smith. I will say, Vinatieri in the ensuing kickoff and every kickoff, probably this entire year, sucked at uh, getting it past what the twenty yard line. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I know he, it was windy. He was never really known for that, yeah. He, I feel like he was never really known for his booming kickoffs. And the Patriots always seem to try to not kick touchbacks unless it's a really dangerous Yeah, but at least there. with uh, Gaskowski, there's, like, he puts it at the 1. Vinatieri puts it at, like, the 15. <laughs> that is true, yeah, and gives them a running start. <laughs> right. Kickoff is but, further back. At this point. Oh, you're right. Oh, Steve. Brown. That's a little something. Yeah, yeah, good call. So, yeah, and I think there was an article in one of the, the Globes um, days about how you can't really blame Adam Vinatieri because his kick coverage team is, is god-awful, was the gist of it. And I don't know I fully agree with that because I think it's all into play, but I am surprised how bad this kick, like just the special teams in general, are in this mm-hmm. season. I don't know, just because Belichick hasn't got his scheme fully implemented or what's going on, but it is kind of surprising because last game there was a comment about how the Rams and the Patriots were the two worst uh, kick coverage teams in the league. Mm. And yet somehow they both end up going to the Super Bowl. Spoiler alert. Uh, I couldn't stop that one, guys. Sorry. He <laughs> I, snuck uh, out. I had just no idea. Deuce McAllister turned kicks either. He was super good in this game. Yeah, well, that's kind of all he did on this Saints team. He was the like a running back. He was the third. Yeah, well, he was the uh, third leading rush on this team behind obviously really Ricky Williams and so. I think he had like under a hundred yards, was it? Yeah, all year he did. Yeah, his stat line was actually pretty legit. He he finished the season with ninety-one rushing yards, 
but had a long of 54. Doesn't he so, like, he must be good later on in his career then. Cause I remember Deuce being pretty solid. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, didn't he go on to play with, he was with another back the Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles, I think. No, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you're thinking of Brian Westbrook. Uh, Mark Ingram and uh, Camara with Deuce McAllister and somebody else in New Orleans. Let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, actually, I just want to put no, it out right. there that we're not experts on any of this. So anything that we say could potentially be completely inaccurate. Nah, so. Steve Brown nailed it. After okay. this season, uh, Deuce McAllister ran for 1,300, 1,600, and then just over 1,000 yards in three seasons. Yeah, in your fucking face, Mike. And then he must I never said Oh my lord! He said, throw the disclaimer out after I said. Oh well, yeah, because Andy said some stupid shit. Idiot. Well, that we've already covered oh. that. In the, in uh, the let me disclaimer. let me rephrase. Um, anything that Andy says is probably bullshit because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Is that better, Steve? No. Okay. <laughs> good answer. Oh All boy, right. this is starting off well. Oh good. My headphones. Pretty an hour and fifteen in. <laughs> Okay. We're not an hour and 15 in. Where are you guys getting these numbers? It's oh, like, yeah. You showed up way late. Sorry. Yeah. My monitor was broken, guys. Sorry. God, you're late one time, a half hour. Everybody loses their shit. Well, you were so late that my headphones died. What does that mean? You're on uh, Bluetooth? I was. Oh, boy. This is a great conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the other... Thing I think we can talk about is the kicker, which we didn't touch on before because John Carney on the season missed three field goals the entire season. Two of them were in the first quarter of this game. One he missed. It was a longer kick, I think. On the, the... Did he miss three or four, Andy? I don't know. My math's not oh, strong. We ain't professionals here, like you said. <laughs> I don't do math. But anyways, yeah, you're right. Two, two missed field goals. And one of them was blocked by our boy, Richard Seymour. Caught him right That's in the right. Air. Although Vinatieri missed one as well. So rough day for the kicking game. Yeah, right? I feel like we can chalk this one maybe up to the the weather with the wind and the rain. But I don't know. I feel like Vinatieri hasn't been as automatic this season as I remember him being. You know, you remember him just like never missing a kick. Yeah. But he's actually missed quite a few in this season. I don't know, I think it happened after the 2001 season for some reason. Because, I mean, didn't we say that his like, career number before this was like 79% or something like that? Yeah, they weren't great. Yeah. So something, something clicked eventually. Steroids. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, the rest of this game, we could pretty much fast forward to um, right before halftime because it was 7 nothing. Pats, um, but for like a seven nothing game, they look really good. Uh, wasn't it thirteen nothing? Well, I'm saying before the half. So before that drive, it was seven nothing until about like you know a minute and a half left in the game. Uh, I mean, a, a minute and a half left in the half, and uh, Pats no. were up seven nothing. Third touchdown, thirteen nothing. Yeah, they went they went up in. The no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying up until that drive, guys. Nope. They, it was a seven nothing game. No. They went into the half up 20 to nothing. You're right. My notes are fucked up. All right. Well, <laughs> guys, let's fast forward to that drive. It's 13 nothing. No, I don't know what you guys take over. You guys have flustered me. <laughs> no, I don't know what's it, going on. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you, you missed the, uh, the Brady touchdown pass to Troy Brown, where afterwards the. I thought that uh, was the one, but it wasn't. Your boy, Ken Walter, uh, was holding the extra point, your, your, your puncher there. And he kind of, when he the snap was high, so he caught it like in his chest. So he kind of fumbled a little bit, putting it down. And then Adam and Terry didn't get to him quick enough. He's like, fuck it. And just like pulled it and ran all by himself. Yeah, I don't know what that was. And got lit the fuck up. You're right. I apologize, guys. Yeah. But, um, no, but you're right. Because then, you know, there, there was a, a bunch of like uh, back and forth here, like everybody going three and out. I just had to note uh, yeah. that like the game was like there wasn't a lot of action, but the Pats looked like they were dominating for some reason. Yeah, it did. Yeah, because the the Pats were winning the battle of field position even when they weren't scoring. Like they were even when they're punting, they were they were downing the ball inside like the five yard line every time. Mm. Uh, the Saints would get out of their own ends, 
with either some random amazing catch on a deep pass or something. They get to like the 50 and then like sputter, either miss a field goal or punt it back or whatever. But then, like you said, right at the end of the half, the first play of the drive, Brady, this is the one that Steve was talking about earlier. Brady gets hit from behind and gets like, it's that snap back of your head that you used to see in all the, uh, those NFL's greatest hits uh, VHS tapes. You remember those? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was just all of those, like quarterbacks getting blinds. That's all they were. And it was that type of hit. And Brady lost the ball, but somehow the pass recovered. It didn't even look like they should have. Um, and then they run a couple plays. And that was at their Antoine, own like, 15, right? Yeah. Antoine uh, gets like a bunch of yards on both plays, like 10, 15 yards on each play. So it gets them like midfield. So they're like, all right, there's, there's, I think, 30 seconds left at this point, and they're just going to start airing it out, try going for the touchdown. And Brady finds, what was his name? Charles Johnson? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. For, I think left. Charles Johnson's only touchdown from Tom Brady. But it was yeah, an absolute this. fucking laser. Uh, that was one of the best throws Brady's ever made, I feel, like over the linebacker in between the safety and the cornerback. Yep. The um, window was was minute. Yeah, it was an amazing throw. In that See, weather. maybe I wanted to jump the gun here because um, – so, yeah, so I guess that made it 20 nothing. So it was 13 nothing. But what I did want to point out about that drive um, outside of that, like, crazy, you know, laser to Johnson was on that drive, um, Brady was rolling out to the left. He was rolling out to the right at one point. Um, he, he's diving for first downs. Uh, long pass to David Patton and then a touchdown to Johnson. So I felt like that was a statement drive for the year, and I called it the drive of the year up to this point. I would agree with that Uh, because I think that the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head would be the one against San Diego Mm -hmm. to tie it uh, at the end of the game, but that was like his first comeback win. Right. I think this was his like statement of, I'm not fucking around here. I'm not overwhelmed. I belong in the NFL. I am a starting quarterback sort of thing. Yeah, and it was it was amazing with eight seconds left. Uh, you guys will call it the drive of the whole season, right? Up to this point, yeah. Up to this no, point. I don't I don't know season. what's to come. The whole All right. I mean, turning point. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Right. I mean, it was pretty amazing for, for anybody who has access to that drive. It, it is pretty textbook. Yeah, it is. And, nice. and Tom Brady had that, that one long run, too. I was, I feel like I was surprised at how active Brady was in the run game in this game. Like he yeah. was taken off if there was nothing open. He wasn't getting very far because he's not fast. But uh, at one point yeah, in the I, fourth quarter, they called a design quarterback draw. Yeah. I have on here, Brady looks like a baby deer running. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a newborn deer running. He just yeah. hasn't quite figured out how his legs work yet. Yeah. Yeah. In one of the plays though, where he was like rolling out, he must have ran like 40 yards before gaining like eight, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the longest runs of his career too. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tom. But I think because of that, um, all the, I, and I, I think both uh, Antoine Smith had a really good running game too in this game. Oh, um, yeah, he crushed him. And that opened up the, the Tom Brady patented play action. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite one that I forget, they, I, I don't think they run it much anymore, but that they fake the pitch and then he kind of spins around real quick and throws a quick slant to whoever it is. That play, oh, that's right. That, that used to be a staple, I, I thought. I remembered it. I, I saw it in this game like, oh, I love that play. But I don't remember that. And they don't run that really anymore. At least not that way. You should write a letter to Charlie Weiss, tell him to bring it back. Yeah. But the one play that they did run, which I think has been kind of the bread and butter, was the direct snap play to Kevin Falk. Mm-hmm. Did you see that one? Yep. And uh, but the favorite part of that play was Tom Brady dropping back to pass without the ball in his hands. And it fooled like the entire defensive line. Like they're all rushing upfield to get to him. And Kevin Falk's like four or five yards downfield already. Is that the one yeah. where the announcers were like freaking out at how much he sold that? Yes. They <laughs> had never seen it before. Yeah, like look at this kid. He's yeah. actually he's pretending to hold the ball. Yeah. <laughs> what gumption? 
Uh, I don't also do have any of you heard of either of these commentators? No, but they were fine. Uh, they were fine, but they did leave me very confused. Okay. Um, and <laughs> you know, it? what was that? Are we gonna do this? Yeah, we're we can it. do it, man. Uh, again, I try not to every week, but it, uh, these guys, I mean, Bill Moss, especially, was fantastic. Yes, so part. let's introduce them first. There's Sam Rosen and Bill Moss, who I've never heard of. Um, me neither, but he had some pizzazz. <laughs> Apparently, in one of the articles um, that you had posted, mm. uh, people were not happy with him because uh, they, uh, the article said that the, the PC police was out to get him oh, because he yeah. said that the um, the line was winning in the trenches right. and they thought that that was a military reference and that was too risque. Um, so he had flack about that. So it was, it's interesting because we think that everything's incendiary now, but he was getting flack for making a military reference, which I thought that was like common terms. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, I, mean, I don't know anything. The amount of military terms in football lingo is like 80% of all football terms yeah so bomb all of it that wasn't even part of my football or not football because i figured in the trenches was just a sort of metaphor yeah pretty pretty easy to figure out okay um he also said this which i thought was funny but he goes ever since they sent kyle turner of the saints to anger management uh the whole team has gotten a little softer and he starts laughing and then the other announcer just goes maybe (laughs) (laughs) i wrote that down too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. so i guess he was, like freaked out in the game before when they were playing the rams in the locker room and like throwing a bunch of shit and hit people yeah. on the team yeah he was talking something about it. i didn't quite follow what he was talking about but yeah somebody was like breaking shit in the at, at halftime or something like that and they came back and won the game or something i think what he's talking about wow yeah i don't know but bill moss he's, he's very close to brent jones in my opinion but uh He's we, in that uh, same vein for sure. <laughs> we can uh, we can go down my my list if you guys want. Um, yeah. I, I guess the first question would be: So he said, "See Brewski number fifty four at the bottom of the pile down there. There's a lot of banging going on." <laughs> what is that? Is that football or not football? Uh, I think it's football. I think the bang they're talking about is is banging their pads together, probably banging their bodies together. Oh uh, wait, yeah, but if you're in the bottom of if you're at the bottom of a pile, though, like hasn't the collision already happened? Or I'm confused about that. Yeah, I think I think that's why he's at the bottom of the pile is because he did a lot of banging. Oh, he's talking about the process of the pile happening. I think so. Not when he's actually down there. I, I'm I'm guessing yes. Okay. I, I don't want to speak for it. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's my assumption. Okay, Steve. Yeah, I don't know. It could be either way. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, the next one, he wants it all the time. And if you don't give it to him often enough, he kind of gets his dauber down a little bit and then becomes ineffective. His dauber. Yeah. What is the context for this? I think I remember it. It was all I know is about Joe Horn. Yes, it was about Joe. So Joe Horn getting his dauber down. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know what a dauber is. If I'm being honest, that, that might be a dick joke. Really? Talking about his daughter being down. He's, I mean, he was because he was talking about like you need to feed him footballs or else he uh, turns into Randy Moss and, and gets his daughter down. And so I think he's like he's probably just gets a hard on for getting catches. See, because that's weird because it's like he wants it all the time. If you don't give it to him often enough, he kind of gets his daughter down, right? Which is, that kind of yeah. makes sense. And then he becomes ineffective. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. So I think I think the first part <laughs> is uh, is about getting footballs thrown. Okay. Um, and that, that's so the I'm second part you think is is a dick joke? I think so. All right, yeah. He, I mean, Bill Moss had a hell of a game. Um, <laughs> next one, uh, maybe now that you guys said that halftime thing, maybe it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, this quote, but he said about this game, "I wish we had a camera in the Saints locker room at halftime. I'd like to see that. You know, it would have to be one of those pay per view channels to watch." <laughs> what the hell? I, now I I guess I kind of get it, but at the time I didn't. Maybe he's talking about the swearing. Yeah, definitely. You can't swear on network television, can you? Okay, so that's what he wanted to see in the locker room. Maybe. Or maybe maybe he thinks it's like WWE sort of style. With like shit being thrown around. That's pay-per-view, right? I think so. Usually? I don't know. It was back then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, all right. So I guess that's football. And then the last one, again, I don't know. Uh, two men coming hard, Brewski and Malloy. Two men coming hard, Brewski and Malloy. Well, I feel like we've been over this with coming hard and filling the hole. No, filling the hole. No, we've talked about filling the hole, which I get. We've talked about putting juice in the hole, which I get. But, like, two men coming hard. I haven't heard that one yet. Well, they're, they're coming hard to fill the hole. You know, they're running very quickly to come fill that hole. Oh, because they're defenders. Yes. Gotcha. All right. Well, it's all connected. Call, Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes that. sense. But yeah, I think so that, that was pretty much it. Thank you guys for helping me out there. Right, you're very welcome. But yeah, Bill Moss, you're right. He did have himself quite the game. There was one part where he was legitimately arguing with the referees. Yeah, I love that. On the uh, because I also was, loved how like anti PI he was. Like that's not pass interference. <laughs> Clearly was. He's like ah nah, that's stupid ass refs. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, because one of them was uh, it was on a punt, and I think it was Gerard Cherry stepped that's in the end zone, but like got back into the field of play and down the ball at the one, and. The refs like as he as the ref is explaining that he got a bit. He's no, no, he did not reestablish himself. Like literally yelling at the TV as if he's me watching the TV. I like that. And then they literally game. show the replay afterwards where he got like you have to get two feet and he got like four steps in. He's like, well, maybe. I hope we get him again in a few times. He was exciting. He did also have, he went on a rant about um, the defense having 12 guys on the field. You see that? It's like, that should be a penalty even if they get off in time. Even the 12th guy gets off the field in time because the defense isn't going to, the offense isn't going to know who's blitzing. Like, well, one, you don't blitz every play. And two, the offense like well i mean he's got a point if you have 12 men in the huddle on offense that's an automatic penalty before you can even break the huddle it's true but defenses don't have huddles so it doesn't quite count and the reason was to stop you from putting everybody on the field and then having enough guys run off so that the defense can't adjust and put their personnel on right but it's, it's the mean, offense that's dictating the personnel on the field chances are the guy running off the field is not blitzing right <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. I think you're right. But hey, let's give it up to, to Bill Moss. Yes. All right. Great. Clapping on a podcast. That's that's gonna sound really good. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have anybody else you want to talk about? I think. I mean you know, after drive of the year, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. I, think I mean, I, I would say that New Orleans made a pretty good push. You know, it was twenty seven seventeen at one point. Yep. Yep. They uh they yeah, at the end of the third quarter it was twenty to ten. They they pulled it back within ten a couple times. But every time they did, the Patriots would just drive down the field and score a touchdown. Well there's that that last touchdown with Antoine Smith where they just ran it the whole time. Yeah. And then if you notice, right, when he scored from like the two yard line or whatever it was, like the entire offensive lineman all at the same time put up their arms. Yeah. Like that O line was so stoked on that. I mean, oh, they had he had like a hundred and no, they had hundred and ninety three or something like that yards running. Yeah, and Brady almost had three hundred yards passing and four touchdowns, so they were firing on all offensive cylinders there. New England had hundred and ninety one yards rushing and two hundred and fifty eight yards passing and four touchdowns. Um I did like the stat that uh I like the stat that they basically said that New Orleans allowed 45 yards of, uh, you know, whatever run games, run plays up the middle the entire season up to that point. So 45 yards up the middle. And then that game, uh, Antoine Smith got, I think it was 75 yards up the middle. So he, he almost doubled that. Oh, he's crushing him. All right. Let's do uh, some best and worst. Mike, you want to go first? I'm pretty um, excited about this game. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the first half was unbelievable. So, and and that drive really pumped me up. I mean, it was definitely a taste of what was to come. So. Absolutely. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. Best and worst here. Um, I'll start off with my worst. All right. The uh, announcers were having tr- uh, trouble telling the difference between David Patton and Troy Brown the entire game. They were blaming you on the dirty jerseys. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know if I like that. <laughs> Um, kind of bothered me. So that was my worst. 
And then my best wasn't actually from the game, but it was hearing that Brian Cox was running at warm-ups after breaking his leg earlier in the season. Yes. So that's pretty amazing. I don't know what he was taking, probably steroids, but oh, yeah. uh, to, yeah, uh, he remember because in an earlier, uh, earlier episode, we mentioned something to the fact of uh, we didn't remember what happened to Cox and he probably would not return. Yeah. Um, but here we are six games left, I believe five games. And uh, they're talking about him coming back uh, and playing against the Jets. You know? Yeah. No, that was uh, that was, that was exciting to see actually that ties into mine. But Steve, you go. You go do yours first. Um, best and worst. The best was that Brady throw on that third touchdown. Yeah, that was awesome. And I have like a worst for the Saints. Yeah, that's fine. Was that pick that Aaron Brooks threw, where like for somehow he didn't see Lori Malloy literally standing like three yards in front of him, <laughs> and he just throws it right at him. He just deflects it up in the air. If he pleasant gets it. Yeah, like, it wasn't great. Like I don't, I don't know what. How do you? He's literally standing right in front of him. And he just hucks it at his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to like stop the ball mid with the face and just ended up deflecting it up. We well, did that a couple of times. He hit a, he hit um, Rabel right between the five and the zero yep. in his jersey. That should have been a pick. And Rabel wasn't even like he wasn't even coverage. He was coming around on like a stunt. <laughs> just got hit right in the chest. And then my Patriots worst was. Ty Law just getting absolutely torched by Joe Horn on that long deep ball when they were backed yeah, up he, their yard line. His best game. You're and right. Joe Horn just ran straight and just absolutely burned. And if like yeah. Brooks had not underthrown it terribly, he probably would have got six out of it. Yeah, but he made the catch and um, they and got, got called for a PI anyway. Oh, and so Ty Law was on him while he caught the ball, so that was an incredible catch regardless. But yeah, yeah. pretty bad play. Yeah. But if Aaron Brooks didn't blow, he just puts more air into that ball and Joe Horn's gone. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Two steps on tie. That's true. All right. Um, so my best was um, Brian Cox talking to the media after the game, uh, uh, before the game, uh, talking about um, the quarterback controversy and. Uh, so the, the quote in the Globe was, according to the injured linebacker, there's no quarterback controversy in New England, only a media corps looking for trouble in capital letters. There would never be a controversy like this in any other town, according to Brian Cox. Oh, no, this is fucking gorgeous writing this, of course. Oh, no, quarterback controversies exist only in Foxborough, never in places like New York or Chicago, which were among Cox's previous playing addresses. Not like this, Cox said. This is real foolish. You guys are trying to undercut Bill. He's trying to make a decision that's best for the team. You guys don't know the situation. I don't think it would be this bad in New York. Some of the media up here are not capable of making the choice of who should be the quarterback. They don't know. They don't see the tape. So fucking Brian Cox coming out here, and he's got Bill Belichick's back. Plus, that's saying a lot because he did come from those places. So if he thinks the media is even worse. (laughs) It's worse than New York. (laughs) That does a lot. New York media is... Better than the boss me is saying something. And right, exactly. Being terrible. And uh, Troy Brown also. I this isn't. This is kind of tied into. He kind of handled it similarly. Where uh, in the article, a similar article, they say uh, Troy Brown, the Patriots' senior and top receiver, rolled his eyes when he looked up from his locker and saw a media posse swarming him, wanting to talk about why Belichick chose. They were kind of uh, all on the same page. It seemed like the only people that were up in arms about it were media, which. It's still playing out to this day with the, the Bledsoe decision-making stuff, which, again, probably sorted out by the time you listen to this, but don't spoil it for the rest of us. Um, let's see. My worst was, uh, was Ricky Williams after the game talking about uh, how he thought he had a good game <laughs> and how the, he didn't think the, the Pages defense stopped him. So he only ran well, for... Ricky Williams. He was like leading the league in, in yards, I think. I think he was third in the NFL. Yeah. First in the NFC. Right, right, yeah, in rushing yards. And he was like up there in total yards as well. I think he was like second mm. in total yards from scrimmage. Uh, so they're talking about asking him about, you know, he the Patriots held him to 56 yards and a touchdown. 
um, on 15 carries. So, like, not great, especially for the league's or the NFC's leading rusher, right? Mm. So, this is the, the quote from the article. So, naturally, Williams was asked if this was the toughest defense he'd encountered all season. He looked so incredulous that his Saints cap almost spun around frontwards and the tidy gold stud nearly fell out of his nose. Are you being serious? He said, his eyes wider than any of the holes he tried in vain to find. They're not even close. <laughs> and it goes on and on about how he doesn't think that the Patriots did anything special. And he basically, his, his whole argument was that um, because the Patriots were so far ahead, he just didn't get enough carries to do anything, which, I mean, he only got 15 carries, but still, he didn't do much. But he was also talking shit about Willie McGinnis, um, who was like one of the main reasons that he wasn't running. So uh, it was, for instance, there was the way he and fullback Terrell Smith positively manhandled linebacker Willie McGinnis, who merely anchored the bottleneck for three quarters before leaving with a leg injury. Quote, McGinnis is 270 pounds, said Williams. Terrell and me are a lot smaller, but we stood up to the challenge. We smashed his mouth. Ooh. <laughs> uh, for a whole 50, what was it, 57 yards? 56 yards. But they were tough yards, man. He was coming hard. At him. <laughs> he was, yeah, the defense was coming hard at him. So I enjoy, I forgot how uh, entertaining he was, but I think not a great look after getting. Well, again, he was smoking a lot of pot at this time in his life, so you got to give him a little leeway here. So, but yeah, but you think he'd be a little bit more laid back about it, you know? I'd be like, yeah, I didn't do something. Maybe anything. he's seen things. Um, is that what yeah, you, we don't know what you smoke weed, Zebra? Uh, what kind of weed are you smoking? I mean, not as good weed as Ricky Williams can afford. <laughs> I guess not. Jesus. Just talk to Greg about that. He's the. Did he literally quit the NFL to go around the world smoking weed? Yeah, he was living in the mountains with some gurus or something. Yeah, he could fucking afford it, couldn't he? Gotta respect that. Yeah, until, until that ran out, if you remember, and he had to come back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You think he like, made amends to Willie after he got like super high with Buddha and stuff and was, like, came back and was like, Willie, I'm sorry, dude. Oh, definitely. I didn't mean that. I think well, so. It seems like the forgiving type, so I'm sure it was cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this one. Next week, we have to look forward to the pages traveling to what is officially called Giants Stadium to visit the New York Jets. They don't even have their own home. But the New York Jets, that started this whole thing, really. So would this be a revenge game? Well, we will find out next week. We'll find out. Um, I just want to... I want to say, um, you know, I, I apologize for being out of hand earlier, guys. Um, my notes got a little jostled, and I was incorrect again. And I just want to apologize for um, taking it out on you guys. And uh, I'm sorry. You know what? Apology accepted. We still love you, Mike. Don't Thank don't you, throw me in there with that, Andy. <laughs> That's fair. I, still love you. Uh, I, I, I was talking that. about we, as in me and the listeners. Oh, oh okay himself again just, don't throw them in there with you it was uncalled for i apologize hey we're we're a we're a, a positive positivity podcast here i'm working on it we're not shooting anybody except for greg because he's not here fuck greg yeah greg <laughs> take him or leave him maybe he'll be here next week and we can say it to his face until then fuck greg brown Bye. fuck greg brown no fuck greg brown from you steve I don't know. I love Greg Brown. Fuck Mike. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. I take my apology back. <laughs> Going on that note, Jesus Christ. <laughs>